0: Yep, all good. All right, we're doing a... Uh, I like to start a series of sermons, and um, I just wanted to start this sermon series. It's uh, going to be called something like this, The Proverbs of King Solomon. Who likes the book of Proverbs?
1: Me. Yes. Yes. Yeah?
0: You find it a, a helpful book? Yes. It's got some really good stuff. Well, we're going to go through it uh, and really study each of the Proverbs, because I think they're going to be very valuable to us in living our, our Christian life. Um, but I want to, just to get started, I wanted to give a bit of an introduction to the Proverbs. And if you can turn in your Bibles. So turn to Proverbs 1, chapter uh, verse 1. And it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So it's the Proverbs of Solomon. You remember his father, King David. You you probably never met him, but he's in he's in the scriptures. He is the father of Solomon. But the kingdom of Israel was handed over to Solomon by his father David. David was a man of war, whereas Solomon was a man of peace. He was known as a man of peace. The wars and other stresses of David's life produced many of the wonderful psalms we have today. Whereas the peace and prosperity of Solomon's life produced in him the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is a book that, to actually read as a Christian, you really need to understand the context from which it's coming, to really get a grasp on Ecclesiastes. But Proverbs, not so. Proverbs are are truth statements, obvious observations from life. So we're gonna look at this, um, uh, the book, because I think it's gonna be very, very valuable to us. We should ask God to give wisdom. In James 1.5, he said, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. If you ask God for wisdom, it will be given to you. And who knows that Solomon did that very thing. And we're going to look there. So just turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles. And we'll go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Verse 1. And it says, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. And uh, so Solomon was made exceedingly great by God. So it wasn't because of any great uh, thing that Solomon was doing. It was God doing it in him and through him. Every aspect of of Solomon, from his character to his wealth and the kind of leader he was, was granted to him by God and God alone. And if we read 7 to 12, what happened was Solomon went and sacrificed a lot of bulls. Um, I think it was about a thousand of them. And it says that that night in verse 7, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. You can imagine today if someone said, "If God said to you, ask, you know, for me, from me, whatever you want. What do you want? I'll give it to you." You know, most people will say money, Don't they? Give me more money. Give me more money. Wealth. You know, give me fame. Make me famous. Make everyone know my name. Make me the most liked person in the world. You know, things like that. Make me happy. Give me happiness. Who said that one? Everyone wants to be happy nothing wrong with that. However, if you, if you ignore God, you can't be truly happy. Solomon answered God, You have shown great kindness to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Therefore, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people... For who is able to govern this great people of yours? So what a wonderful thing to ask. Wisdom and knowledge. He didn't ask for anything other than help me to lead. Help me to live a righteous life and be an example to everybody. And that was his request. And it should be our request as Christians too, shouldn't it? And then God said to Solomon, Since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, riches, and honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given you, and I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who was before you, Ever had and none after you will ever have. This man was rich. Far richer than Donald Trump. Far richer than, you know, Rupert Murdoch or any of these guys. He was so wealthy, it's unbelievable. Silver was of little value in the days of Solomon because everything was gold. It was gold. It would have been like walking into heaven. You know, gold everywhere you looked. The temple was made out of gold. Everything was covered with gold. You know, that's a, that's a sign of wealth, isn't it? If you come over to my house and the floor was gold and the walls were gold, and you'd start asking some serious questions, I think. When, <laughs> what's he doing with the church's funds? <laughs> but that's, that's how prosperous he was. That was from God. Amen? 1 Kings, let's turn back. So it's just a couple of books before 1 Chronicles. Just go back a couple of books. 1 Kings to chapter 4, verse 29. And it says this God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. So this guy was like a Leonardo da Vinci. He was given such great wisdom and understanding and knowledge beyond that of any man. It so wasn't just rich, he was smart, really smart. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan and the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, Kalkal, and Dada, the sons of Mahol, And his father, Fame spread to all the surrounding nations. So these guys must have been known for their wisdom, but Solomon just trumped them. He was so much wiser. When I said Trump, I didn't mean Donald Trump. (laughs) He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He was a songwriter as well. No limit. He described plant life, from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Wow. That guy was amazing. He would have been the most incredible man to sit around and talk with. He, made, he was made to be sort of like what you'd expect Jesus to be like when you'd sit around Jesus. Imagine Jesus describing nature. He was the one that created it. Could you imagine the insight that he would get? You know, no biologist on the planet can compare with the truth of Jesus Christ explaining things about plants that we have no idea, no comprehension of. And he knows it because he put it together. He built it. He made it. Amen. Incredible. Now, there is a warning. There's a real big warning in this. And so, this is the thing. Solomon, was. he had all this wisdom. He was this smart. He was incredible in, in fame and, and fortune and, and so on. Yet, you, you listen to what these words tell us about Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 11. So just go to chapter 11. This always freaks me out when I read this. I just can't comprehend that such a smart person can fall to this. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. So he fell in love with women that God distinctly said, do not marry them. They will cause you to fall. And he in his great wisdom, how can He? If they make me fall? I'm the smartest man on the planet. I'm the wisest man on the planet. You know, there's a difference between wisdom and smart too. You can be very, very smart but lack wisdom. And you can be very, very wise and get lured away by beautiful women. That's really what it's saying. Beautiful women lured him away. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had, listen to this, 700 wives. 700 nagging wives no I didn't say that I just said 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines to boot 700 wives and 300 concubines you'd have to be really smart just to remember all their names a thousand like but this is just crazy like isn't that doesn't that teach us a lot you know one's enough One's enough and stay with the one and be devoted to the one. Amen. Amen. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord, his God, as the heart of David, his father, had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Mm. and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Mm. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. Mm. So there's a warning. That's one thing he didn't write in his Proverbs. Mm. Do not marry a thousand or seven hundred wives. That could have been a really good proverb that he could have learned from. Mm. Amen be devoted to one, stay with one, and have eyes only for one. We read that through the Scriptures, and there's a prime example of what, how a man can fall, no matter how wise he is. But that doesn't discredit the, um, the Proverbs in any way, does it? No, Because the Proverbs were inspired by God. They come from God. His wisdom came from God. So anything that comes from God is holy, righteous, and true. Amen? Amen. Even if the vessel with which... It comes from can get corrupted. You know, there's lots of um, uh, men of God that in their early days they were really, really strong in God and they were very, very good. And I was blessed by their ministries. And then later they fell into disrepute. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people just abandon all the teaching of their early days. But I still get blessed by certain, um, you know, people that had, their their ministries were ministries of integrity Mm -hmm. at the time but they fell later in life Mm -hmm. Um, but you've still got to be wise in everything you read so I remember when I wrote my first book it was uh, uh, called God's Heart, Cry for Revival I was quoting in that book this is how long ago I wrote it, Benny Hinn
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I was quoting other, Tommy Tenney and other men of God that, and Rick Joyner and people like that who now have been found out to be uh, you know, gone astray in many respects. Um, but if you read the quotes that I'm using, they're straight from God. You know, these these were quotes straight from, you know, uh, like it was like God's voice was speaking through them at the time. And then they were left straight, just like Solomon. He wrote the book of Proverbs, but he fell later in life. He started worshipping Ashtoreth, you know, and all these foreign gods. But a proverb, it comes from the Latin proverbium, and it's a simple and concrete saying, concrete meaning, rock solid, popularly known and repeated, that expresses a truth based on common sense or experience. So it comes from experience. Who, who's had things happen in life, and you've had had this experience, and then you've learned from that experience. And whenever that experience come, you come close to going near that experience again, you sort of you, you're aware of that. You know, we call that street smart or whatever. You know, there's all sorts of words for it. And that's sort of what it comes from. But he collated them, these truths. And he had he had a lot of them. In the Proverbs, it doesn't, we don't have a collection of all of the Proverbs in he wrote there. So most of the Proverbs are in couplets or triplets or some modification of them, the members of which correspond in structure and length, as if arranged to be compared one with another. And a couplet, we'll have a look at a couplet. Um, let's go to Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10, and you should stay in Proverbs after this. 10 verse 9. Actually, there's so many of them, I just sort of randomly just picked this one. 10 verse 9, it says this. The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. So the man of integrity walks securely, and the couplet of that is, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. If you go to one before, at verse 8, it says, The wise and hard accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. So it's like this um, inference. You've got the, the, the righteous and then the unrighteous. You know, it's going back and forth between those. Christ, our wisdom, I just want to have a look at a few New Testament scriptures that talks about wisdom, because this is what the book promises to give us, is wisdom. 1 Corinthians one thirty, and it said, It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom. And there's a verse in Proverbs or a passage which speaks of wisdom. And when you read of it, you, if you change the word, the name wisdom or the word wisdom and you put Jesus there, it, it pretty well reflects Jesus Christ. Because Jesus becomes for us wisdom. He is our wisdom. And it comes from him. Remember, Solomon asked for wisdom and he was given it. And it says um, that we are to ask and he will give us uh, wisdom generously. So Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, and that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption message of wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-7, and it says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So this wisdom is secret wisdom. You need the Holy Spirit to decipher it and for it to really have an impact on your life. Amen. Give us the spirit of wisdom. Ephesians 1.17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. He's asking that we get given this wisdom and revelation so that you may know Jesus better. See, if you get given the wisdom, you'll get to know Jesus better. If you seek wisdom, if you seek to have wisdom in Christ, you will know Jesus so much better. You'll be so much um, greater in his estimation of you. Wisdom of God to be made known. Ephesians three ten to 11, his intent was that now through the church, see, it's through the church. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known, should be made known. So it's through the church that the wisdom of God can be made known. And there's a lot of Christians out there. There's actually um, in Adelaide thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are Christian who don't go to church. Yeah. And I, you know, in many respects, I understand where they're at. You know, because there's, it's hard to find good churches these yeah, days. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a good church, bless yeah. hope chapel. <laughs> yes. But um, you know, and I understand where they're at. Um, but it, it's so important to get and, and search. You know, to seek, and you shall find. You know, we've got to seek and find that place where you're getting fed. Right. You know, and I say that to a lot of American people that uh, email me who watch our videos. And a lot of them, you know, they they don't go to church on Sundays. They watch our videos on Sundays. Mm. And I, I say to them, I know I understand. I'm honoured that you would put our videos on on Sunday, but I would much rather you keep looking. Mm. You know, because if you look, God will bless you and, yeah. and give you a church. Amen. Because yes. it's it's not just hearing a message. It's everything from the worshiping together as a congregation. Right. It's being united together as a body of believers, it's connecting with each other, you know, the fellowship that takes place in this church, taking communion together, the breaking of bread, you know, all those things, and that's what the early church, you know, they they adored that element of church was the community that they were in, they were part of, and that's what we have gotta, you know, uh, why we should always be coming to church. All right, let's go to to be presented perfect in Christ. Colossians. So, if you want to be presented perfect in Christ, take up a study of wisdom and truth. Colossians twenty nine Reproclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all His energy, which so powerfully works within me. You know, His passion was to present the people of God that He was overseer of and pastor of or whatever, he was passion was to see them presented perfect in Christ. Like, you know, when you come up to the altar and, and you present an offering, that in Paul's mind, the congregations that he preached to, he wanted to present them to God like a perfect, unblemished sacrifice, you know? And and really that should be the goal of all. Ministers and, and all of us in ourselves as well is present yourselves perfect in Christ. Find how to live the perfect life in Christ, and do everything in your power by the power of the Holy Spirit um, to resist the sin nature and all its, you know, uh, uh, the the way it lures you in to do things that you shouldn't that that you know in the Spirit you shouldn't do. Amen. So treasures of wisdom in Christ. You can see i found a lot of scriptures in relation to this. Colossians 2, 2 2-3. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. This is his prayer. In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want wisdom and knowledge, where is it hidden? In Christ. It's in him. And I'm not talking about the wisdom of the world. The scriptures talk about the wisdom of the world. It says foolishness to the wisdom of God. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you and teach and admonish one another with wisdom. We need wisdom. You know, we, need, we want to be able to speak to someone about Jesus Christ. Let's. Well, You know, a wise man can reach someone with the message of Jesus Christ. And that's not because he's wise, it's because Jesus Christ has made him wise. And the Spirit moves in wisdom. Amen. And then you can actually reach a person better. A good way to uh, consider, too, uh, trying to speak to people about Jesus Christ is listen. Listen. Not only listen to the Spirit, listen to them, too. You've got to be able to connect with where they're at, you know. Um, too many times, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'll just, you know, just about not want to hear what they've got to say. I just talk right in and tell them what I want to say. You know what I mean? That's a good way to repel them. Um, book of Proverbs. In this book, we are supplied with a proverbial wisdom commended by the seal of divine inspiration. God has condescended to become our teacher on the practical affairs belonging to all the relations of life. He has adapted his instruction to the plain and unlettered and presented in this striking and impressive method the great principles of duty to him and to our fellow man. Presented the great principles of duty to him, what our duty is to him and what our duty is to our fellow man. How we are to be. And so in that sense, it's a very important i had a realisation just in the last few weeks. Um, I realised the valuable truth that in the church, and as a Christian, God does certain things, and we are to do certain things. That there's things that God does, and there's things that we do. And um, when you get that in perspective, when you get that right, you don't have trouble in the church. And God's job is to build the church by the power of the Spirit will go out into the highways and byways and bring, bring those in mm. that don't know him and bring in the people that need him and, and so on. Mm. He will do yeah. that. We are to speak about Jesus when we're led but the building of the church is his doing. Yes. And once we understand that, that relieves me of a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I was really relieved because, yeah. you know, I'm saying thank you God for the beautiful congregation mm. that comes to Blessed Hope Chapel and I just love all of you. And I... I I just am so thankful for who God's brought here. And, uh, and I can just rest in that. And you know what I mean? And It's a very uh, comforting thing and a comforting place to be. But our job is to build ourselves up by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So our job is to be built up. So when I teach, it's for your building, for whatever you take. Whatever you take on board and, and, and work, work with or apply into your life, that's what's going to bless you, amen, and, and build you up. So Jesus will build the church, Matthew sixteen eighteen, and it says, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And that's his first promise. In Psalm 127, 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labour in vain. Unless Jesus Christ builds this house, we're just labouring in vain as far as building ourselves so as a result I see that for us to build ourselves by the direction of the Holy Spirit we have to work on our relationships with Jesus we've got to make sure we've got to we got to you know it's not up to me to try to make sure that you're you've got a good relationship with Jesus it's up to you to respond to the Spirit and develop that relationship amen Amen. so once you get a hold of that you realise that you know I, I don't feel like I'm on fire for God okay well that's that's for you to deal with Jesus about Jesus will start to speak to you and that you've got to respond with the necessary changes in your own life mm. Amen. Amen? Because you know the Spirit can prompt you to pray but He will not go over the head of your own will mm. He won't force you to pray mm. He won't come along and kick, kick you in the back of the knees to get you down
1: yeah.
0: You know what I mean? He'll come along and say now's a good moment, come and pray mm. I need you to come and Sit with me right now. You know what I mean? It prompts you like that. And it's up to us to respond to that prompting. It's also our responsibility uh, in relation to how we relate to others. And we relate to others with unconditional love and respect. Making sure that we don't neglect people in the church, making sure we don't neglect people in our family, making sure we don't neglect you know, friends and and so on. So we're responsible for that. And um, making sure that we put effort into those areas, you know. Um, you know, talking to your children, you know, trying to um, understand where they're coming from, you know, connect with them and asking them questions about what's going on in their life. But in a way, that just gets them talking about themselves and then let them talk. We don't always have to teach them everything, you know what I mean? Because I, I find I can fall into that, I always try to teach them something. Don't know how Yeah, But um, it's important just to um, listen to them. Who knows, you can learn a lot from kids, yes. you know? There's a, a classic case of that in um, uh, Decaturful Terrace. Who knows Decaturful Terrace? Mm-hmm. You know the big roundabout, the crazy roundabout in Decaturful yes. Terrace? And yes. Now they put another little roundabout, so there's two roundabouts yes. connecting each other. And they had major problems in that one roundabout. And all the engineers and planners and, and you name it, they could not work out how do we solve this problem because we've tried to do this massive roundabout and it, there was always problems with it. Anyway, they made a competition up and gave it to all these university students to come up with ideas. Fresh minds, fresh insight. And they um, came up with, uh, one student came up with that second roundabout concept. And they were like, of course. And it works It works pretty well. Who's been there and found it? It is actually easier, even it's though it looks a bit complex. Because we're not used to it. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. yeah, I oh, know. it's. <laughs> I always think that where there should be roundabouts, there never are there lights. And in that situation, that really should have been a set of lights there. Yeah. So unconditional love and respect and knowledge of the word in both. So it's up to you to read this then. Amen? Amen. You know, we read it one chapter a week, don't we? We read one chapter a week. And sorry to give you that hard chapter today, Lydia. But we read one chapter a week. But that's not enough, is it? You know, and sometimes there's a difference, who knows there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. You know? Sometimes it's it's good to dwell on things and reread things. So sometimes it's good just to read one chapter and then read it again and then the next day read it again and really get it into your heart. Like try to absorb what it's saying. Because it's the Bible is rich with truth. Absolutely rich with truth. So the full counsel of God is something that you've you've got to be responsible for. And uh, as well as to grow in knowledge and wisdom, which is character development, I've seen in the past some of the you know meanest and rudest people I've met have been in churches, and it's like you're just thinking, hang on, these people have been believing in Jesus Christ for 20 years or 30 years or whatever, yet they're so um, their character has not changed. They've not become you know uh, relatable. They haven't become um loving in their spirit mm. they've become hard they've become insensitive to change you know and uh, that shouldn't be the case should it mm. now if God's doing the work in you he will take you from that place and he'll bring you to, and soften you and make you a loving person mm. and it's a truth the truth of the matter is this a true Christian will get transformed mm. step by step increasing increasingly you'll go from glory to glory to glory as God transforms you into the person that you're meant to be yes. in his son. Yeah. You know? And so character development is very important, which is really what the Proverbs are all about. It's gonna help you with, with those kinds of uh, understandings. So just a quick overview of chapter one, and I don't know how far I'm gonna get into this today, but um, we've just, we looked at the author Solomon. Chapter one, verse two to four, is talks about the purposes Of the Proverbs. uh, Verses 5 to 6 is an exhortation to listen and heed the words in this book. Uh, Verse 7 gives us the first proverb. And you you should all know it as the beginning of wisdom. That's as much as I'm going to give you. We'll have a look at that. The first proverb is given at verse 7. Verse 8 to 9 are the rewards you get for listening. To the proverbs and the teachings of your parents, your godly parents. Verses ten to nineteen talks about not going along with evil men, not and or men or women, not to go along with them, not to go along with the status quo, not to go along with what all the you know your friends are doing or what all, all your you know um, school friends are doing or whatever. You, you don't want to go along with them because a lot of them are on a, on a really bad course. And a lot of Christians get tempted to try to fit in right. and do as they do. Because if they are too Christian, they feel they'll be rejected. That's
1: right.
0: um, so it's really important if you're a Christian, you know, as, and this is, goes for adults too. How many of us try to fit in sometimes? Yeah. You know, you go into the workplace yeah. and, you know, people are, are talking the wrong way, but you just sort of try to fit in. You just flow with what they're, what they're saying. It's a hard place to be. So we need wisdom in how do we handle these things, these situations. Uh, verse 20 to 21 talks about um, that wisdom cries out. Wisdom cries out to, to men and women. And verse 22 to 33, uh, wisdom mocks the foolish. So we're going to look quickly at the purpose of Proverbs, verses 2 to 4. Let's just go there. And it says this, that the Proverbs are for attaining wisdom for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right and just and fair, and for giving prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. And so I just want to look at uh, each of these words. Wisdom. Wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge and good judgment. If you have wisdom, then you, you would be seen as a man or woman of great experience. Um, people will recognise that straight away, that you would have knowledge and you'd be able to judge things very, very well. People will come up to you, what do you think I should do in this situation? Because you seem to know what to do in every situation. You know, that's wisdom. That's insight. And the other thing he, it says in the Proverbs that it gives you is a disciplined life. So the practice of training people to obey, obey uh, a code of behaviour you know, if you don't have a code of behavior, and what I mean by behavior, if you don't have a moral standard with which you're going to which you're going to live by, if there's not something set in your head, it's very easy to be lax, isn't it? How far do I allow myself to go? You know, how far do I go with my friends when they start taking drugs or they start drinking in excess? You know, how, how far do I go in these situations? You need to be disciplined in all those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we always, we always see when we think of discipline, we're, we're, there's two meanings of the word. One is the discipline is when you're disciplined by your teacher or something in the old days, they whip you, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the discipline we're talking about. But you don't want God to discipline, like, discipline you like that because you've been so disobedient. Mm-hmm. Amen? Because God, it says God disciplines us in life. Sometimes he allows us to go through things. He allows us to go through things for our own benefit because he doesn't want to lose you. He doesn't want to lose you to the world. He doesn't want to lose your faith in him. So he allows you to go and learn from experience because if you're not wise enough to hear the words taught to you and, and change. You know when, a, when you've got a little child and the little child runs into the kitchen and you've got the oven on and you say, don't touch the oven, it's hot. It'll burn you. And the little kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he runs out. And then next thing you know, you hear this scream. And he came in and he touched the oven. And he he needed that experience to know not to to touch. Sometimes just telling him not to do it is not enough. But other kids, you'd say, don't touch the oven. And they'll never touch the oven. Who knows? Parents know what I'm talking about. Some kids are just like that. Some kids, you you can tell them once and they won't do it. The next one, you tell them and they have to be told 20 times and they still (laughs) do it. So that's where Proverbs, you know, and you, we've got to ask ourselves, are we the kind of people that hear a truth and just live by it? Or do we need to go through something to learn that truth? Mm. You know, yes. and I think there's a little bit of both yeah. in all of us. I think, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to learn things the hard way. Other times you can just be told truth. But the good thing is, is to start reading these things and, mm. and, and get them into our heart because it can save us a lot of problems in the future if we just hear these words. It also teaches us to, to comprehend words of insight. Now, insight is the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or a thing. So if you have insight, if you meet with someone and start talking to them and suddenly that person says to you, gee, how do you know those things about me? You know, Or you know, you just have this incredible intuitive understanding of people or things in life. And uh, God can give you that. Remember these things come from God. These are gifts of the Spirit, mind you. The gift of wisdom, the gift of words of knowledge. They're all mm-hmm. spoken of as gifts in the Bible that they're given to given to us. But doing what is right, just and fair. So right is morally good and acceptable. Just is based on a or behaviour oh sorry, behaving according to what is morally right. And fair is in accordance with the rules or standards. If you're fair, who likes when they play sport to play against a fair opponent? Mm. Or when you're doing something, if you're in a business transaction, you want to have a fair transaction. Mm. You know there's, who's gone to those car yards where the guys come out and they're dressed in their, you know, white suit and all that sort of stuff and they come up to you and they sort of, their hair's slicked back Mm -hmm. and they, so you want to buy this car, and, you, and I, you say something like, yeah, there's no prices on it, what is it? And they look you up and down, oh, this one's yeah. like 12 grand, mate. Eh? Yeah. And you're looking at it thinking, surely it's only $8,000 worth. Yeah. But, you know, and you just know, and I, and I, we had an experience recently um, where this deal with the car, I could see that they wanted to get something out of the deal for nothing. Mm. Our sons just bought a, a Camry, a Toyota Camry, and... Uh, we were looking on the internet for Toyota Camrys because his cars, his old one was just falling apart on him, and uh, the, the Camry that he wanted to get was usually around ten, twelve thousand dollars. Anyway, the one one came up for eight thousand dollars, and it was at a um, on Port Road, and it was not far from our mechanic. It actually was at the end of the, our mechanic's our mechanic's street, and so we said. Um, uh well let's give this guy a call we called him and it sounded dodgy as you can imagine when i talked to these guys they're just typical dodgy car salesmen and i rang our um mechanic and i said do you know this car yeah and he says yeah do i know him <laughs> and he goes mate i can't imagine this camry is in very good nick at all i'd say he, he imagined there was something majorly wrong with it if it's getting sold through these guys mm. anyway i said well can you take a look at it anyway he the car was delivered down to our mechanic. He looked it up and down, looked it over, and he checked it out, and he says, Rob, I just can't believe it. There is zero wrong with this car, except the front tires. He put some uh, secondhand tires on, which had been worn in the wrong way, and so it made the front wobble. He thought the bushes on the front were gone, and, but when he checked them, the bushes were fine. It was the tires, so he said, buy the car, and you know, say you want tires replaced and, and a few things. Anyway, I ringed the guy back and I said, what can you do for, um, for us on the car? And it needs new tyres. And he says, well, it needs, it, it needs registration because it's out of rego. And I go, OK. And uh, stamp you. So anyway, he said, 8,200, I'll do the whole, with all that done. And I go, um, well, what about 8,000? And then he went quiet and he goes, well, what about 8,300?
1: So I go, what?
0: He goes, well, you, you're you going down, I'll go up. And I go, oh, typical car salesman tactic, real nice way to just defend someone and then slam the phone down on you. So I went quiet. And uh, then he goes, all right, look, we'll do an eight one. We'll go halfway. I said, okay, no worries. And uh, we we get the, when I go to pick up the car, the, the guy pulls out the rego papers for the car and it was registered until June. And he said oh, it needed oh. registration. registration, and he went down to the rego board and paid for the registration, and this is what he's saying to me, all he did was transfer our name over, because it was registered to June. So he had to get something out of the deal for nothing. So he had to lie. Yeah. But I didn't care at the end of the day, because it was a cheaper car than paying 12,000, yeah. but I just it just really, struck me, human nature, mm. they want do something, something for nothing. Yeah. So he had to make that two hundred and fifty bucks mm. on three months of Reggio mm. and and at least he then felt comfortable with the deal. Yeah. And there's a lot of people like that around. So it's important to be fair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's important to be fair because people feel like they're if you're fair to them, that they, they will, you know, like I, I know in my gardening work, I'm I'm fair to the clients and the clients now they just call me out and say, go for your life and give me the bill. They don't even ask questions because mm-hmm. they know I'm not going to do them over. Mm-hmm. Now, give us prudence, knowledge and discretion. That's what the Proverbs will give us, prudence, knowledge and discretion. The word prudent has been sort of used in a negative sense. You know, who's heard the term, are oh, you prude? Mm. Yeah. Have you ever heard yeah. that? You know, people yeah. talk down, oh, you're prude. Mm-hmm. You know, but prudent is acting or showing care and thought for the future. Acting and showing care. For the full. so they don't even understand what prude means to call you a prude you should say oh if they say oh you're a prude say thank you, thank you. Right. yeah thank you yeah i am yeah i show care for the future and i'm i'm prudent in the way i live because i want to live a long life it's like this if you show care for what you for your health you'll eat the right thing you'll be prudent in what you choose to eat and it gives us knowledge and knowledge i even looked up the word knowledge um, which is facts information and skills Knowledge is skills that you have acquired by, by a person through experience or education. So skills that a person has acquired through experience or education. So either one, that's what I was saying before. You either get taught it or you have to learn it the hard way. And uh, it's better if we can learn by teaching, isn't it? That's painful. And discreet, who knows what the word discreet means? Careful. is not funny, we, we know we get a sense of what the word means, but... It's hard to put in the words. And it's, I always find it interesting words that I think are so obvious in their meaning, and then I look them up and I think, wow, what an incredible meaning each word has. So, discreet is careful in one's speech and actions, careful in what we say, careful in what we do, especially in order uh, to avoid causing offense. So, being careful not to do something that's going to offend someone or you know, make someone upset. So the Proverbs will guarantee that that's the kind of person. Who wants to be that kind of person? Yeah. yeah, that we don't offend people. We act discreetly. We're prudent with ourselves, with our life. You know, we know what to do in every situation. There's never a doubt in our mind what is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah? We could all do with that, can't we? Yes. Yeah. Good. I'm trying to get you motivated to what yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. All right. An exhortation to listen and heed. Proverbs 1, 5 to 6. And it says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. So if you're already wise, you're going to get wiser still. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings of, and riddles of the wise. So it should be a desire in our heart to understand the riddles of the wise, these proverbs and parables. And that should be a, a passion that we have. So the book of Proverbs is both a book for the young and the old, both the wise and the not-so-wise. We won't say foolish because foolish is another meaning altogether because it tends to be you got wise and the foolish, but it's, it's wise and not so wise because some kids are very wise. Actually, we've noticed, and Vina noticed, she went to a, um, uh, like a music thing that was going on and she says the people that were behaving the worst were our age group and the ones that were behaving the best were the young ones. So much more careful in how they acted probably because they didn't want to be found on, you know, a video on Instagram or Facebook of them acting like a looney tune or something. But the older ones were carrying on like pork chops. So it doesn't matter if you're old. You can be wise young, you know. Age doesn't necessarily bring wisdom. You know, it brings wisdom if that's what you seek through your life. If you want wisdom and you seek it with all your heart, you'll grow old and wise. But if you don't give much consideration to it, and don't worry about it or care about it, then, yeah, it doesn't come. So it comes to those that seek. That's why it says, seek and you shall find. It is a book which we we can reflect on in this life and will always assist us in living it better. Will always help us to live it better. The first proverb, and this is what I wanted to get to. Who likes this proverb 1-7? Let's go there. And it says, the fear of the Lord... In this, my version, it says the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. But if we go to Proverbs 9.10, there's another proverb very similar. So you just go to Proverbs 9.10. And it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what does it say then? Knowledge Knowledge of the... Holy One is understanding. I find that fascinating in the Old Testament. Knowledge of who? The Holy One. The Holy One. Knowledge of God. But I believe because God has placed all authority, given all authority, power and dominion to Jesus Christ. The Holy One is Jesus Christ. God the Father, of course, is the Holy One. But I believe it's talking about Jesus Christ right there. Knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we must have that knowledge. And that knowledge will give us wisdom. So it's not just the fear of the Lord, it's knowledge of Jesus Christ. And everything he stands for, especially now as Christians, everything that he did for us. You know, like in Andy's sermon today, when he spoke of the just what Jesus did for us on the cross, his open hand, you know. Um, and uh, we have that... We have to seek after that one who did so much for us. Amen? amen. So the fear of God is the beginning, is the beginning of wisdom. It's where it begins. You can't go any further with wisdom. If you don't have the fear of God, if you don't recognise who God is, if you don't have any element of fear towards a holy God, then you can't even remotely become wise. You can't even make baby steps towards wisdom. You'll have to resort to the wisdom of the world, which is foolishness to God. But true wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And true wisdom can only come once a man realises that the reality of God, that He exists, that He is our judge, and has the power to throw Him into hell. Sounds a bit harsh, but it's, but it's true. Let's have a look. Matthew, oh, sorry, uh, Luke. Luke twelve five. Don't know why I wrote Matthew. Again. Luke twelve five. And this is the Holy One Himself speaking. Luke twelve
1: five.
0: Who's there? Yep. Luke twelve five, and it says, "But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear Him." Who, after the killing of the body, has the power to throw you into hell? Yes, I tell you, fear him. He's telling us straight fear God because he has the power to throw you into hell. Yes. You know, we've got to fear God reverently, worshipfully. We've got to keep that understanding. And there's a really great analogy. I've used it once or twice, and I like repeating things in this church because I think it can really help us to re-establish our thoughts in different things. Um, Joe Schimmel spoke of, a, uh, of Niagara Falls, that a man can go to the Niagara Falls and look upon Niagara Falls and the power of the falls, the water rushing over. And he said it's the most you know, wonderful thing to behold. It's powerful, it's awe-inspiring, it's massive. And unless you're there, you can't appreciate just how powerful the falls are. Has anyone here been to Niagara Falls? We've seen photos. It looks pretty awesome, doesn't it? Or photos and videos, we've seen that. But it's huge. It's a massive, massive, massive river flowing over a cliff. And it's powerful. And we can look upon it with respect... And fear, can't we? Because, you know, if you jump over that fence and you fall into the falls, what happens to you? You're dead, you're crushed, you're destroyed. So that's sort of like God. Worship him from this side of the fence, you know what I mean? Worship him safely because he is powerful. And honour him with reverence. And we know that he loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for our sin. That's how much he loves us. You know, and he protects us you know, under you know, the shelter of his wing. He, he protects us. He keeps us in his hands and he won't let us go. He'll look up, hold us securely in him. But we still got to remember he is the judge. He is God. He is awesome. He's an awesome God. And we should fear him. And that fear, it says later, will keep us from sin. Fearing God keeps you doing the right thing. Because you don't want to get on the wrong side of God, amen. amen. But it's got to be conviction that comes by the Holy Spirit. It's got to be the Holy Spirit working in your heart, causing that conviction, causing you personally to know, I shouldn't have done that, or help me with this, or whatever. And then you go to God and you say, Lord, forgive me. You know, and we should come. You know, I use one other analogy in relation to it that I and I think it wasn't long ago I used that my father was a um, strong disciplinary father but he was a loving man so it was both sides and if I got in if I did the wrong thing I'd get scolded but if I did the right thing I wouldn't get scolded and so it was really everything that I got was I deserved every last thing he ever every smack he gave me I deserved far more than he gave me he was quite compassionate he would only ever smack me on the bottom he'd never use a belt or anything and it was just a good one good hard one and and it was just the shock of him grabbing me and doing it that would be Mm. enough for me um, but he was a loving man because I could still go up to him every night and give him a hug and a kiss. Just because he was strict with me did not make me hate him or fear him to the point where I was too afraid to go near him. Because remember, he's not evil. God is not evil. See, if you fear Satan, and we should, should we fear Satan? No, no, we shouldn't fear Satan. No way. He's our enemy, you know, and. Satan is the one, that, that kind of guy. If you fear him, he will do punish you and punish you and he'll treat you badly and he'll treat you shamefully and he'll just knock you into the ground. He'll destroy you, he'll step on you and when you go to give him a hug, he'll hit you. And you go to give him another hug, he'll poke you in the eye. He'll do so many terrible things. He will not show compassion. He will have no love, no mercy. And so that's a different kind of being. God's not like that in any way, shape or form. God will embrace you. God will love you. Come to him, say sorry for what I did and he'll just embrace you. Mm-hmm. That's the God we serve. Amen? Yes. Great learning does not make you wise. You know, a, a guy that just passed away recently, um, Stephen, Stephen Hawking's great learning. Yeah, yes. Did he have great learning? Yes. Yeah, he could understand and fathom all the mysteries of the universe. Well, I don't reckon he fathomed no. enough. You know, no. <laughs> but he could fathom all the mysteries of the universe. But guess what? In all fathering all those mysteries, he never found Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He couldn't fathom Jesus. He couldn't fathom a God who could put all that out there. Mm-hmm. He had no concept of God, mm-hmm. and he missed it. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, yeah. as yeah. far as we know, yeah. we don't know whether he turned late in life or whatever. We can only ever say that. Um, mm-hmm. There's another one, Christopher Hitchens. Who knows of Christopher Hitchens, mm-hmm. yeah. famous atheist? Um, these atheists were well known because they spoke directly against God and they converted Christians to atheism they were militant atheists and they were out there writing books against God so Christians would pick them up, read these books and turn to their belief systems and give up God because they would believe they found more wisdom in the writings of these men so that's what Christopher Hitchens lived his life speaking against God and debating you know, Christians of all kinds And trying to denounce the Bible and speak the Bible away. And he did that his whole life. And then at the end of his life, guess what? He dies. And he has no control or power over death. And guess what? We know he's going to face God now. I feel sorry for guys like that. I feel sorry that they have such hatred in their hearts for a holy God. Who created them, clearly created them. I feel sorry for Richard Dawkins. Who knows of Richard Dawkins? Yeah. If you ever start, you know, watching a lot of videos on the internet on YouTube about Christianity and stuff, and, and as you're cruising along, you'll always come across these guys, these names, and you start, you know, watching debates. Who's ever watched a Christian debate? Yeah. Some of them are quite fascinating, and you see we've got some of the most, you know, intelligent Christians who uh, can fight for the faith, but these uh, atheists that come along and their attitudes. And I just feel so sorry for them. that They're going to have to face God on Judgment Day. And, give, and then they're going to, have to, they're going to lose a lot. Amen? Yeah. So great learning does not make you wise. Street smart is not wisdom. Nor is believing a lie, no matter how convincing. No matter how convincing a lie can be. It's not, it's not the wisdom we're talking about here. And uh, so I won't go any further today because I can see that it's, is it too hot in here or something? It's just nice. It's just nice? nice. It's always hotter up here. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: it is. So I hope that's been a blessing to you. Yeah, has anyone been blessed? by? that's just an introduction. Next week, we're just gonna get right into, oh, not next week, the week after. Um, We're gonna get right into the uh, truth of all this and start studying the Proverbs themselves because I think it's going to be a real blessing to us. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time now, and I thank you that you, Lord, are here with us now. And I just pray that everyone here will be blessed by that sermon. I, I pray that, Lord, that you help us as uh, Christians to um, uh, gain that wisdom that you said in your word you give to those that seek it, and those that want it. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us all that wisdom, Lord, that uh, ability to know uh, right from wrong and uh, understand great mysteries and and understand the Word of God at a level that we've never dreamed of before. So we just pray for that wisdom, that truth that can only come from you, and we ask that you direct our paths uh, each and every day so that we keep walking closer to you and live our life uh, more fully in you. Lord, I just pray... Uh, that your Spirit, sustenance, touch every single heart here, that every life, Lord, that as uh, we all go home today, that your Spirit will just start working deep within us, Lord, and um, help us if we're battling with things, if we're battling with um, uh, different things to do with Christianity, to do with the church, to do with uh, you know uh, the Word of God or whatever things that um, we may be struggling with. I just pray that your Spirit will start to um, uh, help us to um, get the answers that we need and you would start to speak to us and lead us and uh, direct us to do uh, to live this life the way that you cause us to live because Lord we know it's, when it comes down to it Lord it's according to your will that we live the life according to the will of God so help us to live according to your will each and every day and I pray that your spirit will guide us um, through this week and protect us and cover us in your precious blood and keep us safe keep us strong in you And bring us back together next week. Um, And may you uh, just keep blessing us as a church. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.